the studios known as My Kitchen Table, which is a very happening place, especially when the table starts to wiggle a little bit. And you have the one potato. And I have the one potato. That's not on the table, though. That's to the side of the table. Anyway, welcome to How You Play the Game, the official podcast of the OSU Foundation Incorporated. Yours truly, Jack Furlong, with you. Happy to have you with us as we talk to you about what's going on as far as the world of sportsmanship is concerned. This is the first episode of February, the year 2018. Glad you could join us. Make sure that you have subscribed and given us plenty of stars on iTunes and all that good stuff. Uh, The producer engineer of the episode, Mr. Sean Ryan. Sean, welcome. Hey, how's it going? Everything's good. How about you? Uh, I'm alive. This is also a good thing. After the week I had. Oh, hey, we drank, we drank. (laughs) And to my right, our guest in the rotating pundits chair for today, the vice chairperson of the Yosef Foundation, returning for his third time on the show, Mr. Sean Goff. Sean, welcome. How are you? Great. How are you? Thanks for having me again. A pleasure as always. Uh, gentlemen, why don't we just jump right into it since we want to uh, tackle a lot of stuff today, unless you have any objections if I missed anything. No? Good. No. Okay. Let's just jump right into it with uh, our award-winning segment, This Fortnight in Sportsmanship. Jingle time. This Fortnight in Sportsmanship. And that's it. We got, we got a lot to discuss in this, in this, um, in this segment. Let's start by uh, providing our listeners with an update on the New Jersey Super Teams bill. Um, the last time we, we talked uh, on the podcast when Ian was here, we noted that the uh, bill had passed both the Senate and the Assembly in the state of New Jersey. But if there was any good news to it, it was that the, uh, it was not a, a unanimous uh, vote. Um, we at OSIP sent letters to every state senator and assembly person asking them to vote against the bill, and uh, it passed both chambers uh, by a narrow margin. So maybe we did some good, but you know there, that's an intrinsic victory, if anything. Uh, the the very good news, though, that has since happened since then is that the bill uh, received a pocket veto from Chris Christie. If you're not familiar with a pocket veto, that means that he did no action. He took no action on it uh, by the time his term was up and he left office and re- was replaced by Phil Murphy. So as a result, what has to happen is if this bill is going to do anything, they have to reintroduce it in one of the chambers of the of the legislature, and it has to go through the exact same process that it did. So this is a, a little bit of a victory for the NJSIAA. Mm-hmm. Um, the timing. The timing is very works. good, you know. So some more time to put pressure on, possibly. We, it, this is very true. Um, I should also note that, uh, you know, I've said that we sent out letters to all of these 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 people. We received one letter back. It was from Shirley Turner, who is the senator uh, in this district where we are now in Mercer County, uh, and it was one where she thanked us for writing. But she was one of the primary sponsors of the bill, and she vehemently disagreed with what we were saying and gave us the, you know, I, I hate to use the term, but the the bleeding heart uh, way of saying that her view was better than ours or more important than ours, you know. Um, you know, the only thing that she really acknowledged in her letter to us where she agreed was the point where that we made, which was that the state of New Jersey has more important things to worry about than this. You know, we have we have a lot of other issues on the table uh, in, 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 in the state of government that probably need a little bit of our attention. 
but we'll vote for it anyway. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. So so I was like, that's why I was like, yeah, okay, whatever you say. Um one thing that I did want to draw on with this with this update though, which I think is important because it, it reflects on something that Sean and I talked about on the very first episode of this podcast. What I did after I received this letter was I sent out an email reaching out to Larry White, who is the executive director of the NJSIAA, someone who I've had some some interaction with before. Um, and I asked him politely, I said, if you would like, you know, I think it would be a, a good thing if you'd like to come on the show with us, the podcast, so that you have the opportunity to uh, answer to some of the claims that Ms. Turner made in her letter and provide us with you know, your direct answer on, on these subjects and, and, and really help explain your side of it you know, because you're being painted as the bad guy here, so I want to give you that opportunity. And then in, in turn, I probably would have done something where I would have extended the same offer to Ms. Turner, you know, try, you know, try and get you know, some sort of a dialogue going. But I wanted to start with, with Larry because uh, we had not heard from him at all, whereas we heard from, from a state senator. Um, we received no response. Now, in fairness, in, in researching this, uh, Mr. White did say that uh, the NJSIA was going to refrain from commenting until at least after the change in the governor because of the potential for the pocket veto and all that stuff. Um, so there was, there, I, I certainly understood that there was going to be probably some sort of delay in that. And in, in addition to that, um, you know, th this is an ongoing issue where I'm sure that he, on behalf of the NJSIAA, wants to remain very measured in their comments. Mm -hmm. So rather than coming on a show and talking about it, you know, kind of, you know, in an improvisational manner, so to speak, uh, you know, he would rather send out press releases, you know, for the official comments and whatnot. So I completely understand. Something that's more prepared. Exactly. I completely <laughs> understand that and I respect that. And I think we all do. Um, the reason that I wanted to bring this up, though, in addition to that, because, you know, we've talked about this in person just between us when we mentioned it on the first episode of the show where we talked about you know there's an element of sportsmanship where you're always on stage whether you're on the field or not based on who you represent you know if you're a excuse me if you're a high school athlete you know you not only represent yourself and your team but you represent your school you represent your sport you know any any sponsoring organization you know the state that in which you play you know there you, know, you can make all these arguments okay um, the, there, there is an ongoing conflict right now between the state, the NJSIAA, the UANJ, which is the Umpires Association of New Jersey, which is a, a, a sort of union that advocates for all of the chapters of baseball and softball officials in the state, um, and the company, All Sports Officials, for which I work from time to time, which is the official outfitter and supplier for all uh, state officials. The, 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 there is a contract that was written a couple of years ago where the state wanted to uh, unify the uniforms of all of these officials and make them all look much more clean cut and uniform. Hence the name uniform, oh, right? See how that works? Interesting. I know, I know. 
So, so they redesigned they redesigned their logo and they signed a contract with all sports officials that said that they were the preferred supplier where you know you had to get your uh, your your uniforms from them and whatnot in a way you know so because they wanted everyone to look the same you know they want all baseball officials to wear the same blue shirt they don't want people getting you know blue shirts from different suppliers that might be you know one might be a little lighter one might be a little darker this that the other you know patches would have to be sewn on they're sewn on in the wrong place things like you know it's all the same they wanted that level of professionalism so far so good they then decided to take that one step further and apply the same theory to things such as jackets and other outer garments that officials wear, which are not, you know, they're not a, a mandatory thing, but, you know, if it's a cold day outside, you don't want to go out in short sleeves, right. you know? So um, they had to embroider the same logo and whatnot onto the jackets. Well, the UANJ did not approve the, the, the baseball jackets for use yet. Don't ask me why. It's a jacket. I don't know why it takes forever to do this stuff, okay? Because softball did. Softball unanimous, unanimously approved the fact that all jackets worn by state officials have to be this NJSIA Makes jacket. Makes sense. Makes sense. Why baseball hasn't done it yet, I have no idea. But that's not either, really here nor there. It is what it is. All sports officials, however, has been selling the baseball jackets because certain chapters have been saying... You can wear them. It's not mandatory that you wear them, but we would like you to wear them if you can match your partner, et cetera, you know, because we know that this is going to eventually be approved in the near future. So we're not going to stop production on these because it's going to happen. So I'm at a meeting last night working for all sports officials, just as a side gig to pick up, you know, some extra cash and whatnot. And um, the head of the UANJ is there, and he sees that we're selling the baseball jackets. And he flips out, and he starts reading the riot act to the people here, saying this was never approved, how dare you sell these, blah, 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 blah. Okay, so the owner of the business says to, to this guy, okay, listen, I'm not going to sit here and be lectured by you in this derogatory manner. Let's get Larry White over here. Well, Larry's at this meeting. So Larry comes over, and instead of saying something to the tune of, listen, we know that this is something that's, you know, going on. We know, you know, we, we, I know we kind of had like an informal agreement on this, that this was eventually going to be approved. You know, um, can we agree to discuss this tomorrow during business hours because I understand it, blah, 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 blah. He basically reneged on everything and said that they couldn't sell them. Said we, we never discussed selling these, you know, and really like, Put this even in, though it was discussed, even though it was something discussed, and they, the and the company has already sold tons of these to other officials throughout the entire state over the last year and a half. So, so there are officials throughout the state of New Jersey that already have these jackets and are already so wearing them. What can them. you do at this point? You can't do anything. The point that I wanted to make was that, you know, I emailed Larry White to come on this show to discuss this. I would assume unless there was a technical error, he would have known that I had contacted him. And I also know that he knows that I work for that company from time to time and that I'm at these meetings. So I just witnessed Larry White act in a way that was somewhat questionable. Now, maybe he wasn't thinking, maybe, you know, who knows? But the, the, the point of the story is that 
you know, you're always on stage. You never know who's watching. And I just stuck my neck out at, you know, for our organization on behalf of the NJSIA, which is run by Larry White because of this legislation, and said, we don't support this. And rightfully so. We discussed why we don't. You know, but it is in alignment with what they believe. And then he does this and does not act in what I believe is uh, you know, a, a proper or professional manner over this subject. You know, he could have easily said, look, I understand there's a conflict. Let's not make a scene about it now. Do me a favor. Don't sell them tonight. Let's talk about it tomorrow. You know, when we're, you know, when cooler heads can prevail and we're not here at this meeting and we can sit down and have a, a, a reasonable discussion over it. You know, he said, no, you got to take these away, you know, and, and it's just it didn't make a lot of sense. And it, I thought it was another example of how, you know, people are watching, you know, that word spreads, you know, especially considering the position he's in. Exactly. Exactly. Oh. So. I don't. Unfortunately, though, maybe he saw that as the path of least resistance. He probably he probably yeah. did, and and you know, I again, we as human beings probably see that in similar situations the same way. You know, we might act in that way in order to avoid the bloodshed. So I'm not I'm not going to chastise him over that or cast judgment or anything. But the point of the matter is that you know we're always on stage. You never know who's watching and how that can create a ripple effect on the opinion of somebody. And you never know what the opinion of the person watching is. So, exactly. So they could, you know, it, it it might not even matter. Right. But in other cases, it may very well matter depending right. on the person. Correct. So, you know, you really, you really can't tell all right. the time. So right. that's why you have to be extra careful. Exactly. You know, so I guess the summation of it is, you know, as a human being, I'm looking at the situation and I'm saying, you know, we, I, I really was trying to fight for the NJSIA, you know, to, to knock this legislation down. And now I just witnessed this and I had to take a step back and go, all right, I got to regroup here. I got to, I know, I don't think that my position on it is changing, but now we might look weird because of, you know, being possibly aligned with them and them going, you know, suddenly becoming the bad guy in another situation. So there's, there's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of things to consider. I'm not, you know, I'm just throwing hypotheticals out there, but it, 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 there is, there is room now for disagreement for conflict, for turmoil, whatever you know, word you want to use and, and connotation you want to choose. But the, the, the moral of the story is that this is another example of how, you know, when you step outside the confines of your own home, everyone's watching, you know, or you don't know who's watching. Right. And word can spread fast in this day and age. Yep. You know, one, one picture from someone's cell phone can end up in the wrong hands at the wrong time, you know, mm -hmm. as, as we have seen many a times, right. you know. So that's that one. Okay. Okay. The other thing for this fortnight in sportsmanship that we should briefly discuss uh, is uh, the incident, incidents that occurred in Philadelphia this past week uh, since the NFC Championship game between the Eagles and the Vikings. Um, you know, I don't think I'm breaking any news when I say that fans of Philadelphia sports teams do not have the best reputation. I'm not trying to cast judgment. I'm just trying to call a spade a spade and say, guys, I hate you know, I hate to you know say it, but you 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 you, you don't come off the best. Shots fired? Yeah. 
Now that doesn't mean that other sports, you know, fans and, and communities don't come off great either. You no. know, there's there's always a couple of bad apples to ruin it for right. everybody. Okay. Right. But this 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 situation always seems to be magnified. We saw things where the Philadelphia police decided to coat all these different light poles and things throughout the you know the, yeah. the greater Philadelphia area in Crisco so that they, the, the poles could not be climbed, okay? We saw incidents of um, brawls breaking out. One guy... Preventative officiating. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> no, the, this is the, the real one. One guy punched a horse before the game. Wait, a horse? A horse. What is this? What, 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 what happened? There was, was a movie that. with that, right? That, that, that was called uh, Mr. Ed. Okay. No, no, wasn't there a movie, cowboy movie, where he punched a guy a horse. punched a horse? I think there was. I don't know which one. Was but it Clint Eastwood? It might have been. Clint Eastwood is known for punching well, horses. He talked to a chair. So you know. <laughs> well, right. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is this guy drunkenly punched a police horse hours before the game even started. Okay. This sounds like a Monty Python. Exactly. Sketch. It's not even. It's not even. He was upset that the Eagles might have lost. You know, he just was so he excited. Just, he, was so, he couldn't contain himself. He took his the first thing I think of is I gotta punch that horse. <laughs> he took his shirt off. He punched a horse, <laughs> and there are bloody pictures of him all over the internet now. Okay. That's the proper See, there's in, there's first. pictures now on the internet. Exactly. Quickly Everyone's watching. Spread. Yep. Always on stage. But to, to Sean's point, also, it's a good thing he took the shirt off because now perhaps the blood's not on the shirt. That's less laundry that has to be done. Right. You know, so, so kudos to thinking, him. So he was you know, thinking clearly. Exactly. There's a lot of foresight. That, that's <laughs> preventative officiating yeah. in the laundry room. Okay? Wow. Yeah. But I guess the, the point here is, like, if you, you can scroll through Twitter, you can scroll through any social media, you know, you can do a Google search, et cetera, and these stories come up constantly of what goes on at these games. Um, and that's not to say that I'm sure that maybe Philadelphia fans were upset that there were Minnesota Vikings fans at the game. But it's just, it's, it, it, it has gotten to the point of ridiculousness. And it doesn't matter what, fan base we're talking about yes philadelphia gets a horrible rap and rightfully so this stuff has got to stop this stuff has to stop and i'm telling you now if you are a fan of any philadelphia sports team and you're listening to this i challenge you to make a difference here and stop this behavior you may not be able to you know go up to someone and say hey you stop it you know, like the, you know, the, like, guy. I was going to say, I was actually going to go back to the future. Oh. Hey, you get your damn hands off her, you know, <laughs> but, or you were going to go with, stop it. Stop, stop it. Oh, oh, okay. 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 All, right. All, right. All right. All right. Okay. <laughs> that was in, uh, the passion of the Christ, according yeah, to right. family guy. Yeah. But, um, well, really this message could be tailored to any fan, any fan. I mean, not just Philly fans. Absolutely. But, I mean, it, you, you see it all over the place. Mm -hmm. um, you see it up in Boston. You, yep. see, you see it in New York. Absolutely. You see it on the West Coast. It's everywhere. In, in Los Angeles, the L.A. riots whenever the Lakers would win. Right. You know? I mean, this is, this is pretty rampant. And because of sports. Exactly. That's the thing we have to so, remember. So, I, listen, if you, uh, I'll say it one more time. 
just be, and I'm going to make it specific just because of the specific incidents, right. but this does apply to everyone, okay? If you are a Philadelphia fan, if you root for the Eagles, the Phillies, the Flyers, or the 76ers, even the Soul, who I believe is the arena football team, you know, oh. the, you know, <clears throat> there's a Philadelphia lacrosse team, I, you know, doesn't matter. There is zero reason for this type of behavior, and you need to treat other fans who may not have the same rooting interests as you with respect because you're not, you know, when, when, when the tables turn and they start doing things to you, you're not going to be happy, especially in an environment where there might be kids there. Okay. Kids don't deserve to be spat on. Kids don't deserve to have beers poured on them. Right. Okay. Nobody does, but kids, especially. Mm -hmm. Okay. Kids do not deserve this. Nobody deserves to be physically assaulted even if they're a horse, because of rooting interest. And it all really hurts the individual who's doing it mm -hmm. the most and the team. Right. Because you're, you're saying that you're a representation of that team. Right. And you're doing these things, and that makes it even worse. Who would want to go? Like, I'll give you another example. The New York Yankees are playing the Philadelphia Phillies this year in interleague play in Philadelphia. It's the week of my birthday, and I was considering trying to go to one or some of these games. After what happened this past week, I am seriously considering whether or not I want to ask for this as a birthday present <laughs> because I don't want to be subject to this. You know, if I'm going to... I don't think anyone cares about the Phillies. But there's, there is that, yeah. <laughs> but, but, there, but there's an element to it. It's not, it's not so much for my own safety yeah. as it is just the principle of the thing. You know, why would mm -hmm. I want to buy tickets and give money to the Philadelphia Phillies when this is, you know, the nature of the beast? I know that there's technically a difference between the team who may not even, you know, support this stuff. They don't have any control over it. But it's just... Well, it, and also, if you zoomed in on any game, you, like you said, you right. would find bad behavior. Exactly. I mean, it doesn't have to be a But you'd game. also see good behavior, uh -huh. too. Well, yeah. right. well, see, course. you know, and that's the thing. Yeah, that's you could right. protest every team for this reason. Right. Know? So it's a bit... I would go to this game. Have a good time. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Don't tell me what to do. Oh. I'm not going to have a good time because you told me to have a good time. I hope you really don't enjoy the game. Wow, that escalated <laughs> quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand, like a Philadelphia sports uh, game. Where's you know? Frisco? <laughs> it's in the fridge next to the Eddie Bauer. So, <laughs> it's, a, it's a throwback to episode two. So. Um, but yeah, I guess, I mean, whether we're talking about Philadelphia or any, any sports base this type of behavior has to stop, especially when it involves kids and even horses, okay? And Anim violence. And violence. Yeah. Animals don't deserve this. No. Okay? So, any final thoughts, gentlemen, on, on these topics? I guess if, if, I, you know, if I had to say something about it, you just really, it all goes back to exercising good judgment. Yeah. I mean, that's really it. I mean, you, you have to look at this... In the grand scheme of things, it's a sports event. It's supposed to be fun first, not traumatizing, destructive. not destructive. I mean, that's what we have to take away from this. Right. Yeah. You always have to go back to the root yeah. of, the, of the issue. Try and just go and be entertained. Right. You know, and have a good time. So, 
Well, I think that kind of sum uh, summarizes everything we need to talk about in, in this segment. So mm -hmm. that's another uh, episode or segment of This Fortnite and Sportsmanship. Let me do the jingle. This Fortnite and Sportsmanship. And that's it. Great. Thank you. Thank you. That's my soprano voice. It's nice. Thank you. Thank you. I uh, got it from my mom. Oh. <laughs> Let's move on to the main topic today of our, of our podcast. We wanted to talk about sportsmanship from the standpoint of um, the context of things where, where there's, a, there's an element of performance that may not necessarily involve competition. Um, the three of us are all professional musicians. And music is one of the places where this type of thing is somewhat rampant. The competition in music, whether it be from the point of the student who's trying to you know, beat out other students, um, the parents who put too much pressure on the students, there's a lot of stuff for us to cover with regard to this topic. And, and that's why the three of us are here because we have the experience in that. Um, to, 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 you know, to, to discuss it. Let me start it off by reading a passage from a book that kind of summarizes it perfectly. This book, we've talked about it in episode two. It's called No Contest. I got it from Sean over here. The Case Against Competition, Why We Lose in Our Race to Win by Alfie Cohn. Okay? Which Sean? Sean, Sean Goff. Yeah, because yeah. I don't read. Yeah, you don't read, so <laughs> yeah. Why would that would be stupid? Yeah. Um, in, this, in this chapter... Um, where they're, 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 you know, all chapters are kind of linked in this book because we all know what they're talking about in, in you know, case against competition. But um, this, this, this particular part of the book in, early on is talking about why um, competition does not necessarily promote excellence. Um, and the reason for that is specifically, and I quote, this is on, the, on page 55, trying to do well and trying to beat others are two different things. Now, here's, the, here's, a, here's a fantastic example that they use in the book. And again, I'm quoting from the book. Here sits a child in class, waving his arm wildly to attract the teacher's attention, crying, ooh, ooh, pick me. The child is finally recognized, but then seems befuddled. Um, what was the question again? He finally asks. His mind is on beating his classmates, not on the subject matter. So this is a kid who he just wanted to be answer, you know, picked, you know, selected to answer regardless of what the what the question and answer was. So it, it starts to you know begin this this argument about how these two things are completely separate and 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 whatnot. Um, Sean, you were telling me earlier that there was some, you know, you've had some experiences, especially in, uh, you know, a lot of different musical auditions for, for the youth that, you know, that, that mimic this very well. Why don't you tell us a story or two sure. about that? Uh, well, I've got a couple stories. Um, one was when I was a junior in high school, and uh, it was the uh, North Jersey Region Orchestra auditions. And this was, uh, I think I was either a sophomore or junior, 2000, 2001, that, that, that general area. And I, was, I wasn't auditioning, but I was volunteering and uh, with about maybe a dozen or so other students. 
And what we would do is we would, you know, when when names were, were when numbers were called to go to the audition spot, we would sort of corral the students and bring them because they didn't know around our school. It was at Paramus High School. Right. So they weren't familiar with the You were the acting as ushers and what. You exactly. Know, doing, so, doing community service almost. Yeah, fine. and that's actually, yeah. that's what it was branded, yeah. community service. So <clears throat> we would, you know, escort students. Uh, we would also prepare, uh, you know, lunch for the judges that were there all day, you know, bring up carts of sandwiches, you know, every, every you know, few hours or something just to, because they were there all day. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, that's a know, long day for those guys. Really yeah. long. I mean, it starts at like 8 o'clock in the morning and they don't get done till... What the hell was 8 o'clock in the morning? I know. You know? <laughs> like, they don't get done till like 9 or 10 at night. See, that's when these. I'm waking up. Right. right. So, anyway. <laughs> so... Uh, me and this other kid are, are preparing lunch and we overhear these two moms talking to each other. And this was in the cafeteria and we were sort of on the other side where they, where they normally serve the food, but we were preparing the sandwiches to put on the cart to bring up. And we were these two Asian moms arguing with one another and we couldn't understand, I couldn't understand what they were saying, but the, the kid next to me was Chinese. He was translating. And he's like, this is, this is hilarious. And they were saying, my kid's better than yours. My kid is in honors orchestra in, my, in, in, in our school. The, you know, my, my kid, oh yeah, well, my kid is in all these groups. My kid made, region, my kid made this orchestra three years in a row. My, well, my kid has early acceptance into Yale. And they were going back and forth. It was a contest. And it got heated. And they were in each other's faces. And and the, meanwhile, the two kids who were, you know, the two respective kids with holding their violins, shaking their head, their hand on their head, like embarrassed yeah. that these two parents, two adults are in each other's faces arguing about whose kid is better. And eventually, you know, I, I walked out and was like, is everything okay here? And the one, the one mom's like, yeah, fine. And she walks away, pulls the kid, her kid, away and starts yelling at him. Because it was his fault. Because it was his you know? fault that someone else thought that their kid was better than, than him. Oh, right? And then and the one, the one parent that was left was like, was like, oh, yeah, I'll see you. I'll see you at the uh, I'll see you at the rehearsal. <laughs> the hell you will. Yeah. Like, like, and, like, and it was unbelievable. That's in the parking lot. Yeah. That same parent that walked away with the with the kid was later seen yelling at a judge because she wanted the results right away wow. from the audition because she her argument was I need to know what what my schedule is going to be because my kid is involved in so many other activities. I need to know when these rehearsals are. I need to know if he's if he made it. And the the judge was like, "Well, you're just going to have to wait till." Monday. Yeah. It's in two days. It's not like we're going to make you wait a month. Right. You know? And it got to the point where this woman's husband had to escort her out of the building. It was, it's embarrassing. As if it wasn't bad enough on the sports field when this, that kind of stuff happens with parents, it has become oh, even it's more insane. rampant. Well, and, and let me tell you this. Please do. Because cause when, when, while we were listening to these two parents arguing, the, 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 the kid next to me, like I said, he was Chinese, and he said, uh, "Typical tiger mom." And I'm like, "What? What's a tiger mom?" 
I've never heard that. And he's like, well, it's, you know, it's a mom, typically an Asian mom, who is very overbearing on their child and enforces them to just not do nothing but study and achieve high academic excellent standards, but also uh, also with extra extracurriculars right. like music right. and sports even. And they, they will berate the kid in public. They will even go as far as physically abusing the child in front of, in public, yeah. just to prove a point. And they would say things like, you're garbage, you're terrible, you're a disgrace to this family as a means to motivate right. the, the, the Which child. Which is another tactic that's actually used in this book where they, they, dis- they, they discuss you know, trying to like berate people in order to try and motivate them to prove that person wrong. And they, and it, they, they have proven that that doesn't work. Right. It just doesn't work. It, and it doesn't. And it's, and you, and, and seeing it firsthand, it's so toxic that mm-hmm. it's spread right. to other, like, it, you know, to the point where both parents are arguing with each other. It's like not, it's like it's cannibalistic yeah. in a way. Not to <laughs> not to bring back Family Guy, but we all know that clip of the you know the 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 Asian dad and the kid where the kids in in the bedroom reading something and his oh. dad comes in and goes, "You doctor yet, <laughs> Dad? I'm twelve. You stay in here till you doctor." You know, it's just, I mean, I know that's I know it's tongue in cheek. It's it's right. supposed to be funny and whatnot, but there 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 is something of an element of truth to that based upon the story that you right. just told. And it and you know it. It just shows how far parents, some parents will go. Right. And it's not just, I mean, it's not it's just not tiger just moms. No, no, it's not it's, just Asians. It's, no. you know, you see it all over the right. place. I mean, and not even just with music, dance moms yes. as well. dance moms are uh, just as bad. I mean, mm-hmm. it just, it, 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 it gets to a point where, like I said, it becomes toxic. I want to follow up on your example by giving you an example that I had, again, with an Asian family. Uh, not that this is specific to the Asian community. We're tr- you know we don't want to paint them all with the same brush, but you know these examples just happen to be with this, and we find that this happens more often in these settings. So um, I had a, I had a saxophone student uh, of Chinese descent. He was in eighth grade. Um, this kid was exceptionally talented musically. He played classical cello. Uh, mm. at, at an incredibly advanced level for someone this young, and he had just picked up the saxophone, and within a couple of lessons, he knew every major scale. Like I didn't even have to tell him, you know. I, I so this is how good the kid was, you know, and he mm. wanted to learn jazz. So I started trying to get him to improvise a little bit using the Jamie Aversol oh, yeah, uh, play-alongs, yep. you know, whatnot, just going over the blues and things like that and trying to give him kind of the tricks of the trade without overwhelming him because, mm-hmm. let's face it, you know, when, we're, when we teach kids, you know, things such as improvisation or any, any musical um, topic that's somewhat advanced, you know, you, 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 in a perfect world, you would like the kid to have you know, a, a solid foundation in things like music theory, mm-hmm. uh, certain elements of music history that are applicable to that topic, etc. Um, that being said, a kid who's 12 or 13 years old, are you really going to, like, dump all this stuff on them and ex- expect them to understand it? I mean, if this was a college kid, it's a different story. If this is a kid in 11th grade, it's a different story. This is a kid who's barely in 8th grade. I'm, right. not, I'm not going to, you know, do this. So anyway, his parents, like his dad would sit in on every 
lesson and just like stare him down. Yep. Because he wouldn't, he would not practice because he was so unmotivated by what his parents were, were doing to him that he just would refuse to practice. And his parents eventually shipped him off to like a military school because of that. What? I, I kid you not. I mean, and then he became the president of the United States. Well, <laughs> but here, and here's, I mean, here's Playing a classical cello. Right. I don't think so. <laughs> now, now here's another one. So at one time, his mom says to me, will you assign him more homework? And I'm thinking to myself, like, you know, I, I give him a fair enough amount to practice as it is, but I'm like, okay, you know, yeah. And, I know, and she, the next thing that she said, you know, she said it with a smile because she knew that there was an element of humor to it, but at the same time, there is an element of, whoa, really, to it, where she goes, we have an, a reputation to uphold. You know, like she's she's clearly, you know, referencing the Asian stereotype in this tiger mom type of scenario that you that you brought up. But at the same time, there's an element of like, why would you acknowledge it that way? Because clearly there is a there there is. It's not even issues. about music at this exactly. point. Exactly. There are a lot of underlying issues here specific to this. It, it, it has nothing to do with how much homework I assign him. You know, the, the, the kid has to want to practice and want to be better. He has the skills to do it, but the way that you're pressuring him... You're smothering him. Exactly, right. is, is what's caused... I mean, we see this in... I see it a lot in, not to deviate from the topic, but let's look at youth sports, you know? Mm -hmm. You know how many... With, with the advent of... Uh, just, again, because I'm familiar with it, in the world of baseball, for, for youth baseball, the amount of travel teams... The amount of baseball academies, you know, the, uh, you know, camps, things like that, that that have you know popped up. These parents put their kids in every single opportunity, every single team to play because they say, "Oh, my kid likes playing baseball. I'm just going to let him play all this, and and you know, and he's going to become great." And it, it, it quality and quantity are not the same thing. Okay, this kid is going to get burnt out playing, you know, because he'll be on his fourth game of the day for his fourth different team, and the first three teams wanted him to pitch six innings. What's he, you know, you know, if he mm -hmm. if he pitches one inning in this fourth game, his arm's going to fall off. It's not healthy. It's right. not good. You know, you if you want your kid to be a great musician, if you want your kid to be a great ball player, there's a, there's a method to this. That works, and and smothering them in it is not it, right? You know, Sean, have you seen any of this at? I know you know you're you're more involved in the college level. Does this exist even there to a degree? I mean, I, I would assume that there's a, a major difference because, you know, the college kids are more independent. You know, there's a lot more choice in in, in the matter and whatnot. Um, but is there anything specific that you might be able to reference in your experiences that, that kind of, you know, provide another example of what we've been talking about? Uh, I don't know if I have good examples personally, but I guess I would relate it to this uh, broader topic of the relationship between greatness and competition, uh -huh. that there's not necessarily a correlation. Uh, I mean, it seems to me like that's not discussed enough especially in sports, right. but also in music. Right. Um, and it makes you wonder what is so important about beating someone? Like, why is that so ingrained in the psyche? Right. 
that one would then resort to these measures either as a student who's so desperate to succeed or a parent who's so imposing, you know? Right. But does then that not relate to also, like, why people are beating each other up at games? Right. And, like, rioting. I mean, they could find another occasion to do that. If you just want to destroy property, why don't you do that? We can do that right now let's if we wanted it, yeah, to. Yeah, you know, you know, let's wrap up the recording and destroy my house. We it's on the record. Guys. Okay. Well, your <laughs> tiles are already. The uh, tiles are already might destroyed. As well. yeah. It's your fault. It is my <laughs> for living here for ten years. Shame on me. Shame on me. They weren't installed properly. <laughs> but uh, anyway, the desperation or whatever the importance that is accorded to this must have something to do with people going to those measures. I think you know? one thing that you said there that's, that needs to be emphasized especially is that competition with regard to your success versus another person's failure, mm. they are, they're not mutually exclusive. You know, Yes, in the standpoint of sports, when we look at the results of, of, of a competition, one team wins and one team loses. Okay, that, that, that exists. But that doesn't mean that in music, for example, you know, one kid doing really, really well you know, means that the other kid can't do well as right. well. You know? you know, just because you, you happen to get a high score in a piano competition does not mean that you know, it's important to recognize the fact that you beat out the next kid down. Right. You know, it's more important to recognize the fact that both kids did well. Compare them to previous scores that each one had. Did I beat my better my score from last time, for example? You know, take take stock in the intrinsic value of what you've learned and what you've experienced. But then, if the intrinsic value is so important, why do we even need competition in the first exactly. place? And I think that's yeah. the question we have to ask for our society. So many times we think competition is inevitable where it's not. Right. It's actually something we've chosen. Exactly. And exactly. why do we continue to choose that? I don't Competition is not inherent to our survival as human beings. Mm -hmm. You know, we I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean yes there is a certain aspect of survival of the fittest. There's a certain aspect of prey and predator and whatnot. So there's mm -hmm. kind of a competition of survival. But that's really... But in an age of iPads and exactly. computers? Right. Isn't that yeah. the whole point of our technological progress is that we advance beyond that? Exactly. I mean, <laughs> no more do we have to best you know, the, the, uh, you know, the, 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 the chicken that we have to, to kill and slaughter <laughs> and cook just to survive another night in the cold. Right. You know, and it's a delight in killing it. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> he, at least, at least. Well, I don't eat meat anymore. So well, yeah. Well, right. Gonna yeah. have to be, we have to plant something. Exa <laughs> yeah. For you, we, you have to hunt and kill the tofu. Destroy <laughs> the tofu. Exactly. Um, Kill the bean. Kill, kill the, the bean. bean. <laughs> How dare this bean try and run from my spear <laughs> that I bought at, at Home Depot for, at you know for a ridiculously good sale. Um, ten for five bucks. Ten, yeah, ten for five, you know, tw twenty for ten <laughs> in the hunting aisle. Exactly. Yeah. They pay you. <laughs> Which you know, it's at least at least I mean, I'm, again, I'm generalizing here. At least the Native Americans had the stories of how you know when they would have to kill in order to survive, they would pray 
and give thanks for the fact that they have this opportunity and make sure that anything that they did kill did not go to waste as you know they used every part of the animal in order to survive right. you know and what did we do to them genocide exactly exactly yeah. you know but your point that you just brought up about the hunting aisle actually you know as funny as it is raises another incredibly important point and i believe if i'm not mistaken this will show up on our blog at some point in the near future hmm. um you ever see how the you know the 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 idea of hunting is 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 so popularized as a sport now like if you go to your local sporting goods store mm -hmm. you know there's always a section for hunting and whatnot right you know i we recently i've been seeing advertisements where they 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 not only brand it as a sport but they they use the idea of making it a family bonding experience for you and your your offspring to go out and kill something together and that's going to bring you guys closer because you work together to to you know to to shoot this game hmm. and i'm thinking to myself what is going on in your mind that this is that i mean it's bad enough that we that we consider this a sport that we hunt for sport okay that in itself is one of the most ridiculous things i've ever seen or heard ever since the idea of you know, driving on the parkway and parking on the driveway, okay? <laughs> or sterilizing the needle that we use for the lethal injection, okay? <laughs> Those types of things make no sense. And this is another thing that makes no sense, okay? Um, I just, it, it, it sickens me that, that, that this type of stuff happens. And, I, and, and, you know, you talk about our technological advancements. The fact of the matter is that, you know, yes, years ago, maybe we didn't think this way. The context was different. I'm not, I'm not saying we need to get in a DeLorean and go back and change the past. Right. But we need to advance beyond it now, okay? I can't do anything about the fact that my grandfather in, you know, the, in the last century, you know, killed a deer, sent it to a taxidermist, and had the, you know, the head stuffed and mounted on his wall, and that we still have that somewhere in our family. I can't do anything about that, okay? What I can do, though, is say, I'm making the conscious decision never to do that. Mm. And Amen, we, brother. Oh, thank you, thank you. Uh, we'll just take the rest of the day off. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And and we need to we need to impress that upon more people. But there's also cultural difference. Yes, I mean it's very easy for us to say that sounds crazy living where we do. Right, suburban New Jersey. Is right, not exactly. The there hunting are, capital of right, the world. You know? Right, <laughs> there are lots of other places where you know the idea of going out there and shooting a ten point buck. Is it is family bonding. Exactly. I mean, we know people for whom that's the right. case. And exactly. I mean, yes, could they find better things to do? But it gets more complicated when you consider it on the individual right. level like that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's just another example of how we, we it, it starts with our own personal decision. Yep. You know, so much of this stuff that we do within OSIP in order to try and change how we view sportsmanship and how we apply it. We're not, it's not that we want to be preaching to people to tell them, you do this, you do that, et cetera. Right. What we hope to do is indirectly influence by saying, we need to consider this stuff and think about what we're actually doing. And we, we hope that the people who hear this make the conscious decisions within themselves to make better choices mm -hmm. and to live better. You know, it's, it's, it's the idea of living by example. You know, you know, you, you, you lead by example. You hope to imitate someone, you know, the, the, the good person and sit, have someone else look at that and go, 
you know what, that person's got it going on. I think I want to, I, I, not that I endorse idolization of any, of no, any sort, no. but, to, but to, to, to consider that idea to say, I want to As idolize, a template. As a, I use that as a template to, to model myself after. Right. You know? You know, one of the things I tell one of my, I, one of my students right now, a violin student, is uh, auditioning for Regions mm-hmm. uh, in uh, Central Jersey. And uh, he was worried that he wasn't going to do well. And he's, uh, and I think the auditions were uh, this past Saturday, I believe. Or no, they're this Saturday. They're tomorrow. They're tomorrow. Yeah. Okay. Tomorrow. yeah. Uh, for I, the people who know that when we're recording this is right. different than when the, the episode right. is actually okay, being released. Okay, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Sorry to ruin that illusion. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, <laughs> breaking the fourth wall here. Yeah. But, we're breaking! But the thing I, I tell, I think I told him is just absorb the experience. Yeah. You know, it's not so much about the result as it is about participating with kids your own age mm-hmm. and just absorbing as much as you can. It's his first time auditioning for this type of event. I said, just do your best. Yeah. And, and, you know, don't let other people get inside your head and, you know, and that, cause that, That'll happen, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, just absorb the experience. You, you know, remember as much as you can about the audition process, right. so that you can be, you know, better prepared next time. But it's not, you know, it's about how you feel you did. Right. That's the important thing. It's like a job interview in that they're trying to learn about you as you're trying to learn about them. Right. You know, and 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 you know, unfortunately, in the audition process. You know, impressions are left very quickly. Yeah. You know, it's and not, someone has you know, to place exactly. You know, in an order. Right. You know, and so you don't get to explain yourself like right. in an interview where you have. This well, that reminds me. I know I told you this story. I don't know if I ever told you this story. I'll I'll just recap it briefly. When I was a professor and I had auditions for the jazz ensemble, and I had two bands that I was trying to create, um, and I had this girl come in and audition, and her audition really wasn't that good, so I put her on the second tenor chair, which is basically, you know, a step a, a below the, the Barry chair, the, the, the last place chair, so to speak, if you're going to rank them, mm-hmm. you know, um, in the low, lower band. And she was upset by that because she thought that she could do better. And I said, you know what? I, I can relate to having a bad audition. So I'll tell you what I'm going to do. If you feel that your audition was that bad and not representative of what you, you know, can do as a musician, come on in for another one. I will gladly extend you the opportunity to give, do another audition. But then whatever I decide is final. You know, that's the, that's the trade-off is mm-hmm. to say, you know, if, you're, if I still think that this is where you belong, you can't argue that, okay? But everyone deserves a second chance with that, in my opinion, you know? I mean, it's not always practical, you know, like when you're doing these region band auditions mm-hmm. and things like that, you know. You, too many people. God, you just said it. If the judges are there from 8 in the morning to 9 at night, there's nothing you can do. They're not, you know, you they're get, not even listening past a certain exactly. point. Exactly. <laughs> you get one it's shot, just... and you hope it's in the morning, because if it's if it's at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Well, supposedly the optimal time is late morning. Really? Okay. Because if you go first, then there's a bar to set. Yeah. And if, but if you go last, they're just fed up by right. now. Mm-hmm. So late morning. Right. Early afternoon is the best time to go. So I want to, in order to move on real quick, I wanted to also read another passage from this book sure. that, that emphasizes another important uh, topic on the subject. And if I may, this is on page 57 of the book. Consider a different sort of example, the case of competitive debate. 
This is an activity as consuming and in its own way as brutal as football. High school and college students spend their days and evenings preparing for tournaments in which they will debate a major issue of public policy. These tournaments require them to argue in support of a resolution in one round and then against it in the next round. The practical emphasis in debate is on, on tying logical knots, sounding persuasive, and even speaking so quickly that an opponent cannot respond to all of one's arguments. The point is not to arrive at a fuller understanding of the question at hand or to form genuine convictions. Debaters develop considerable expertise as a result of their preparations, but this is only a means to a victory. As for convictions, a premium is placed on not having any. Believing in something could interfere with one's ability to win on both sides of the issue. This arrangement is usually defended on the grounds that it forces participants to see both points of view, but it does so in a way that promotes a kind of cynical relativism. No position is better than any other since any position can be successfully defended. When asked whether he personally supported a guaranteed annual income, which was that year's national high school topic, one debater of my acquaintance could answer only that this depended on which side he was on at the moment. Just, I mean, my head exploded when I read that. Mm. And then later, it goes on to, to say kind of the same thing. Um, in that, let me just see if I can find it here. Okay, here it is on the next page on 58. Uh, there's a there was a there's a law review essay, and and this guy I Nelson Rose takes it a step further. Um, it is a simple step for an individual to move from the belief in the adversarial system of justice to the belief that he has justice on his side. A litigator has to convince himself of the rightness of his client's case. How else can the gladiator go into battle? This invites unethical behavior using any means in the client's behalf hmm. and in the long run makes for an inefficient and unjust method of resolving disputes. So the idea here is that look at the legal system as it's constituted now. A lawyer, a defense attorney, might know that his client is guilty, but he has a job to do because the Constitution allows this, this, this defendant the right to be properly defended in a court of law. So this attorney has to convince himself that he has a job to do and prove the innocence of his of his client and you know what he could you know that very well could be that this attorney could have a job as a prosecutor as well and the next day be prosecuting somebody who did the exact same thing mm -hmm. if the glove don't fit you must acquit and johnny cochran is you know. i've got a great quote give it to us from seinfeld okay the episode where Jerry has to take the lie detector test. Yep. Oh, George. And he said, and he said, do you have any advice? And George, and George goes, it's not a lie if you believe it. Uh huh. <laughs> and I feel like that fits perfectly with it, what you were saying. It is. It is. If you you there's a there's a certain amount of psychological preparation that has to go into this. You have to truly believe. You have to make yourself believe you're doing the right thing. Right in order for you to successfully uh, debate for that, for that person, even though in your heart of hearts you think it's wrong. And the, and the, it's the amazing. Other, right. I, I, I give you two points on this. The first point is 
constitutionally, this is what we guarantee ourselves in this country, is that even the most guilty of person has the right to be defended. So is it better to you know, think philosophically, logically, and just simply say that this man is guilty and, and, and dole out a punishment, or to follow our governing documents and afford him the same rights he's allowed, every, that everyone else is allowed? Well, I think it's important to have the right to a defense. And as Alfie Cohn says in that passage, mm -hmm. if people were arguing alternate positions for logical or moral reasons right. to see the other side, then it wouldn't be bad. Right, but this, but this is more about a competition in that, in that instance. Right, you know? well, and then the lawyer is looking right. to win the case at any cost. Exactly. And that's a different it's story. A good, yeah. mm -hmm. So the, I think the constitutional system is good. Oh, I 100% well, agree. One is sort of in an academic setting, while the right. other is more of a legal. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we're not going to argue that we need to change the Constitution because, I mean, to me, that comes back to the idea of it's better to let a guilty man go free than put an innocent man in prison. Absolutely. You know, which is something that we're kind of founded on as a country. Mm -hmm. And that kind of, you know, that, that speaks to the point of even the guiltiest of defendants is entitled to the best legal defense yep. in a court of law. Mm -hmm. The second point I was going to make to that was, as we've, you know, all kind of experienced in a certain way, is the insurance companies and how that works in the point of... Uh, uh, of the legal system. Arguing what they know is wrong. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> These insurance companies, because they want to disprove the, you know, the claim, because they think that they need to save as much money as they possibly can, will go to whatever extreme they need to in order to you know, discredit the, the injured party. I mean, the, the, the fact of the matter is that sometimes they actually lose money in trying to discredit people rather than just paying out the demand. Yep. You know, it doesn't make it doesn't right. make any any financial sense. I mean, they're looking at it from the standpoint of if we as the longest possible time that we can hold on to the money before we have to pay it out for this claim means that it can sit in the bank and gain interest. So that's that's one of the motivating factors for doing it. But does the unethical aspect of that really make it worth it? You know, they they, they drag people through the mud and and throw anything against the wall to see if it'll stick it's kind of like in you know in any in any criminal case rather than a civil case in court where you know let's say um you know i'm, I'm going to just pull a you know something that you might see on like law and order svu you know a girl uh goes complains that she's been raped you know and uh you know then they they find the evidence to arrest the guy and charge him with it and they're going to prosecute this guy, but in order to make the claim that you know that this is legitimate, you know the the defense attorney is going to cross-examine the complaining witness in a way that's literally going to call this woman, you know, nothing short of a prostitute. You know that mm -hmm. he, that you were asking for it, that you wanted this. You mm -hmm. have a you know dig into this person's history to find anything and everything. You know, one time here in tenth grade, it looks like you did something that was a little questionable. How do how are we to know that this wasn't related in the same way? Right. You know, philosophically, in a vacuum, we we shouldn't need this. You know, but yet we come back to the same idea that everyone's entitled to a defense. But the question is. To what to what degree? I mean, criminals. I think I think we can agree. Obviously, you know, everyone's entitled to that defense. But are we are they entitled to that defense to the point where they're actually unethically 
making claims against people to discredit them. I mean, I see. I, I'm, I, I don't know the answers to yeah, these yeah. questions. You know, I don't think that's the angle that's the problem. I think the angle that, that's the problem is that an industry has sprung up or, up around lying. Right. You know? Yeah. And that's what it really is. Yeah. Oh, I can get out of paying my taxes. So there's a whole, you know, bevy of lawyers you can hire to help you do that. Right. You know. Yeah. So, and this is going to sound maybe like too broad of an argument, but even competition is the reason that we can say we don't care that people die. We'd rather right. people be uninsured because they didn't work hard enough or they didn't have a certain kind of job. Yeah. And that's okay because, well, competition, you know. Well, so. even <laughs> as far as credit card companies, they wait till the last, you know, they hope you don't pay your bill. Right. Right. So that so they They're can betting charge you interest. You, basically. Right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. exactly. And in a way, that's that's why insurance, like look at a life insurance company. They're doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. They're, you know, they they're betting that uh, you know you're going to die, and you're like, I bet you I won't, you know. And you put you know you put your premium down, and that's the wager. And then when you don't die, you lose. Or sorry, we bet you won't die. I bet you I will. You put the premium down. Oh, I didn't die. I lost that. It's like it's like you know playing blackjack, and you put the money in, and then you know you bust and go over twenty one. And, you know, uh, there goes my, that $15 bet that I right. just made, you know. So, I mean, it's, I, I guess it's, it's, it is a very difficult thing to, to comprehend from that standpoint because you want to give people the rights that they have. You want to give, you know, companies the rights that they have to a degree. But, the, but then the question becomes why is it that, that, that we have this, you know, or this becomes the norm in the first. Let right. me let me ask you this as a, as a follow up. It seems like, or at least you could make the argument, whether or not this is the case is a completely different story. That this type of a tactic in something like, you know, a, an insurance case has happened because too many people were gaming the system, too many people were committing insurance fraud. So that's this kind of led to, you know, that kind of a thing. Do you buy that that there's any? Anything behind that? You know, because I think we'd have to do research. But right. I doubt it. Okay. I think it's like saying there's been massive voter fraud, and then it's like 0.3 percent. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah, it happens, but <laughs> right. Exactly. It's not the impetus <laughs> to dismantle a whole exactly. system. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just to to kind of bring it full circle. The sportsmanship that goes into the the legal system here is akin to that of what we've been discussing this whole time. Mm -hmm. Is that we, we have allowed too many areas outside of actual sport to be influenced by what actual, you know, by, by the, the, these ideas, you know? Right. Or again, tying it back in, is it because we're so influenced by these ideas that then people act in those irresponsible ways right. in sports? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, you, or even the fans, you know? You could, you can make any of those arguments. They're probably both true. Exactly. And, and again, at some point, you know, it's not even about the sport anymore. Right. When it gets to a point where you are punching a horse, it's not about the sport anymore. When right. you are when you are punching a, a human being, when you're climbing up telephone poles or light poles, when you're committing acts of vandalism, it's not about the sport anymore. No. That's right. And, and I think that's become... what... For, Forgetting about that. And the question becomes, what is it about? I mean, 
you could make the argument to say, well, it's about showing that my fandom is better than someone else's fandom, you know. But that, but that's that in itself is it's such, weak such, because well, it's weak and it's ridiculous, yep. you know. And it's proof of his point, the yeah. author's point, you know. Because <laughs> this can apply to for it, it, it could be for any reason that yeah. someone does something stupid, exactly. And and it, it and and it gets to a point where they, even the person who's committing the act of vandalism. Will so oftentimes forget while they're why they're doing it, which happened with the kid in the example. Yeah, exactly. He's raising his hand. He he just wanted to be called on. He doesn't know what the question is, right? You know. And sometimes we reward that and we call that leadership. Yeah. Oh, he has leadership skills. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, well, basically, they, he's an asshole. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and he does it loudly. Apparently, <laughs> apparently I'm going to have to publish this one as not clean lyrics on iTunes. <laughs> yeah. um, he's a jerk, yeah, and he does it loudly. Yeah. And and that actually. Actually, there's a, there's a part in this book, in the, in the same chapter that that talks just about that. You know, not not to make this a complete political commentary, but regardless of the position, regardless of the setting, it's that the people that we elect to our leadership positions are themselves not containing the qualities that they need to be a leader. Right. O- it's often, not even about sides. Exactly. It's about just human decency. And just often, exercising good judgment. The, the it pe- goes back to that right. again. Often the people who should be elected to these positions, whether it be the federal or state government or a school board or just your average 501c3, are not the ones who get elected because they might not have the persona to, to persuade people through this debate of doesn't matter what's right or wrong, it's just, you know, that, that it counts. You know, in order to get the, 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 the victory. And that sets us up for a significant amount of failure. Or the other thing is that people are so turned off by the whole enterprise, by the way it's run, right. that people don't want to participate, not because they don't care, but because they don't like this cutthroat dynamic, right. whatever it is. Absolutely. You know? I mean, let's, I mean, again, not to make this a, you know, a political commentary, but the, the state of our society now has, has gotten to a point where this has become nothing more than than name throwing and and you know mudslinging you know the you know the the idea of being associated or with with a political party or you know using the name of that party is almost like a racial slur to a certain degree and not not to not to you know make the direct comparison no, but to you know no, you know but fine. but to be i mean to be to be called a republican or a democrat depending upon where you are is like is like saying the most vile, you know, racial term to somebody. Sometimes, oh, you're just a Republican. Like, wh- what? Is, what is that supposed to mean? You know, that just you know, you're you're basically just you know, calling me a name, and that that you know, what, don't, you know, make an argument, explain. You know, don't just don't just say, oh, you're all just like that. Right. That's like you know, that, that's absolutely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You know, and and that kind of ties in to how we paint, you know, these brushes. We use these brushes to paint the pictures of, you know, the Tiger, the tiger Mom. Moms. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that not all Asians are like this. Right. You know, right. it's the small segment of the population that we witness doing this that ruin it for everybody mm-hmm. to a certain degree. And we try as human beings to tell ourselves that this isn't the case, 
But how often do we find ourselves almost slipping back into it sometimes and making it the case? I mean, I think some people are better at it than others, but that, that is an inner conflict that I think all of us can relate to. And I think society has sort of taught us to, to, to sort of to, to be like this, yes. where we have to have these preconceived notions of how, how a, you know, a particular group of people act based on what the, the general public tell us. Right. And to say that you are completely free of bias, I think, is nonsense because no one is completely free of bias. Right. Well, you know, and, and you know, you you have to sort of admit that to yourself, and then, but 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 the, but the answer should be, well, how do I correct it, or right. how do I, you know, the point is, the, I need to be work, educated about right. it. It's the work of every person. It's not only some people who are the bad people. Right. right. It's the work of every person to examine what they've been. Predisposed to. Right. And I would, I would um, take what you said a step further and say, rather than how can I fix that bias, I would say even more so, just how can I learn to compromise with that bias? Because, mm-hmm. because you know, you know, we as human beings, we're going to trip and fall over this oh, yeah. a number of times. Depends how it manifests. Yeah. Exactly. Itself, but, it would be. I, it's. I think it would be even more practical to say, okay, yes, I understand that I'm biased to this degree, you know, but that shouldn't stop me from trying to make some sort of progress, you know, with someone else who may not have the same bias or belief system as me. What can I do, you know, to to, to remedy that without, you know, and, and that's that's almost like saying, take the guilt out of it and try and just be be proactive with it. Mm-hmm. You just know? educate yourself. Exactly. Yes. yes. I'm, I'm, I'm almost telling you I don't care about your bias. I care that you have the ability to just know that it's there and that you need to recognize that when you when you work with people who may not have that bias. Right. You know? Yeah. And again, it depends what the bias is. Exactly. And how right. it manifests. Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. If it's people who hate, you know, air or water. Now that now it's just ridiculous, <laughs> you know. Oh, well, we had a good discussion today, gentlemen. I think yes. so. Any any final thoughts that we need to add? Um I'll end with a great example of competition. Okay. Actually, go ahead. Um, when I was in high school, there was uh, there were two other. Uh, I was I played saxophone, alto sax, and uh, there were two other saxophonists in high school. One was a, a year younger than me, and another one was two years younger. And uh, we would always kind of joke with each other with regard to friendly competition, like, oh yeah, you know, I'm going to kick your ass, that sort of thing. But again, this one has to be but, not clean. Right. Today. <laughs> but the point is, but the, but the point is, you know, we, at, to, to put a bow on this, we all made region band our senior year, mm. all three of us. Yeah. And at that point, you know, the, the director was like, do you want to know how you placed? I'm like, not really. No. <laughs> we all said like, we don't care. We just, we're just happy that we're all in it together. Right. Excellence over competition. There you go. Right. right. You know, and, yeah. and the fact is that, you know, it all came to a point where you just have to, you find common ground. Like right. you're all in the same spot. And, and we just had a great time that year. And that's, that's what we have to take from this, right. you know, as a, as a good example of competition. Um, and just, I hope people learn from that. It's you know, akin to, uh, you know, if you ever watch like old timers day at Yankee Stadium and they play the old timers game and, you know, maybe, a, you know, they're, they're obviously, you know, when they're pitching, you know, they're they're obviously, you know, lightly throwing the ball up to the plate in order to allow the batter to hit it. They're not actually trying to strike the guy out. Mm. 
you know, maybe a pitch comes a little too far inside. You know, they might say like, "Hey, what are you doing? What are you, are you trying to hit me?" You know, they'd be they'd be jovial <laughs> right. about it. They'd be they'd be joking about it. But the the fact of the matter is that even in a, in a situation where there is a, a certain level of competition, like in my adult baseball league, we all understand, or we, I'd like to believe we mostly understand that. You know, we we're we're all just baseball players, and we're we all come from the same background of we just want to play this game. You know, yes, there's a winner and a loser, but it's more important that we all end up at work tomorrow. You know, and enjoy playing and the in, game. Exactly. I just remember the the Tino Martinez home run at all for all old time. Oh yeah, yeah. Where uh, was it? David Cohn was yeah was he pitching, served up the, yeah. and he and he and he and Tino Martinez was rounding the bases. He's like, thank, thank you. you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Because he knew exactly where to pitch it. Uh-huh. Co- yeah. Coney does that. He always knows how to try and lay it in there to get, mm-hmm. let people go yard off of yeah. at Old Timer's Day. It's, it's, it's an interesting quality when you think yeah. about it, you know? And then he charged the amount of tackle. Right. <laughs> well, who hasn't done that, okay? Yeah. Everyone here is raising their hand, apparently. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, again, the clean lyrics. <laughs> yeah, well, gentlemen, uh, this is a nice point of repose for us. Thank you for for being here today. Uh, I want to remind uh, our listeners to get in touch with the show. Uh, the email is podcast at osipfoundation dot org. Um, a small tease, actually, uh, if you're listening, which I would assume you are, since that's why you are listening to this. I'm listening. You're listening. <laughs> if you're out there and you think that you're the best, biggest baseball aficionado, you know. Send us an email at podcast at osipfoundation.org and tell us why, and you could end up on a future episode of How You Play the Game. So we want to hear hear from you, okay? You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash osipfoundation. Twitter is... Friendly competition, of course. Exactly, yes. Twitter is at osipfoundation, hashtag how you play the game. osipfoundation.org is the website. Um, Subscribe, give us stars, good reviews, the whole nine, and uh, we'll be back with you in... uh, about two weeks or so. So, Sean, Sean, thank you. Thank and, you. Uh, thank you guys. A pleasure as always. Yeah. Let's and do this again. We oh, we will. Everybody out there, be good and uh, treat each other with respect. How you play the game is a production of the OSIP Foundation Incorporated. The producer engineer of this episode is Sean Ryan. Music by SoundSpring Studio. The executive producer of How You Play the Game is Jack Furlong. For more information, visit OSIPFoundation.org. If you're interested in advertising on how you play the game, please email us at podcast at osipfoundation.org.